There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. Well, it's it's Monday. Um, I don't know about the rest of you, but I had one of those weekends where all I kept thinking was, I wish it were Monday. Now, that doesn't happen to me very often. And I did have some wonderful parts during the weekend. I went to a concert, (laughs) which I don't do very often. Um, If I do, it's usually like a gospel concert. But I had had been given some tickets to go see, two pairs of tickets, as a matter of fact, from a friend of mine who had to go to Switzerland. And so she couldn't go to this concert that she had bought these tickets for. And she gave them to me. And the concert was Pat Benatar. Now, you have to understand, I am still a creature of the 60s and 70s. Even though I'm different, there are some songs and some musicians that have been a like part of the soundtrack of my life. And Pat Benatar is definitely one of them. The song Love is a Battlefield was... Uh, particularly (laughs) meaningful to me. And uh, she doesn't sing Hit Me With Your Best Shot anymore because apparently it's uh, like overly sensitive about uh, school shootings or something. I don't know, but that was another one of my favorite songs. And uh, just, uh, you know, I I thought, well, let me go into a concert and see how I feel. I love live music. You know, most of the time I go in my own community and it may be a, a you know, a, an act that you're familiar with or it may be a tribute band or whatever and I enjoy it. I'm right in my community. I love live music, right? But this was extraordinary. There are only three instruments. Uh, her husband, Richard Giraldi, on lead guitar, he is a phenomenal guitarist. I mean, ranks in the top 10 in my book. A drummer and a bass player and Pat Benatar. Pat Benatar is my age. Well, actually, she just had her 70th birthday, and she sang just as if she were 30, 20, I don't know. Uh, Nothing has changed. She can still belt, she can still carry on, and she can still dance around, and she's got, you know, she's got seven decades. I can relate. Some of us just hold up really well. And the only thing I can think of is, obviously, this couple, first of all, they've been married to each other for 42 years. I believe in marriage. I'm telling you, people who are married and stay married live longer. I don't know why that is. Well, I do know why that is. Because there is uh, comfort in knowing that somebody's got your back. You know, and, and people don't have to worry about everything in life when they have a life partner. And I, I just, I was happy to see them, you know, just uh, not looking 70 at all. I mean, obviously we all, 
show our age in one way or another. But, but I guess what I'm saying is it made me realize that I still got a lot of life in me and a lot of living to do. And some days, you know, you start looking at the world around you, particularly someone like me who's in politics and, you know, in the radio, and you think to yourself, oh, my gosh, how much longer? You know, gosh, I don't know if I can do this much longer. I don't know if I want to do this much longer. Why are we, you know, struggling with so many of the same issues day in, day out, year in, year out? Why are politicians so full of baloney? And why do they lie so much? And why did we go through COVID? I mean, you know, you can make yourself crazy, as I probably have. But because of her vitality at her age and her going out on the road, okay? I mean, that's not a soft life even if you're young. But at 70, you know, that's a pretty large undertaking. She's starting a tour, and I'm thinking to myself, I need to get busy. <laughs> I got to stop telling everybody, oh, I can't do it. I don't want to do it anymore. I'm, I want to retire soon. I got to stop that. You know, vitality is a process, I believe. And I've got to get just as excited as I've always been about being on the radio. It's amazing that I have been here for almost 33 years in this market, doing what I love. And I ought to just keep doing it for a while longer. Now, I don't want to be one of these people who, you know, expire with a microphone in their hands when they're talking like this. No, I don't want that. But as long as I still have the energy that I have and I still have the brain power that I have, I'm in. I'm, in. I'm all in. I got a, an email from a listener the other day who said to me, I just found out that, like, they're taking... Uh, uh, AM radios out of cars. And I had talked about this a couple of weeks ago. So I said, well, not all cars and uh, electric cars cannot have AM bands because uh, somehow they sort short circuit the uh, electric car. Uh, I said, but yeah, no, AM bands have been missing from new cars, many different new cars for a while now, and they will ultimately probably be obsolete. And so she, uh, she sent back an email that said, thank you for the reply. And since my last email, I have heard that the National Association of Broadcasters has a website and a petition to save the AM radios and the new cars. We should all sign it. AM is our lifeblood and the way things are going, we have to hang on to every source we can. Thanks again for the reply and the great show. We all listen to you and appreciate you. Have a good week. So that's my... Um, you know, what, what I'd like to uh, ask everybody to do is participate. I don't ask you to boycott things. I don't ask you to, um, you know, always call your congressman, although I do ask you to call them. I mean, if you care one iota about this country, you should get involved. Um, but I think it would be well worth your, um, a few minutes of your afternoon today or your evening this evening when you get home to go to the nab.org website and click on the AM radio. It's a, you know, it's an advocacy issue and it'll explain to you what this is about. And uh, they are trying to make sure that we don't lose the AM band. Because look at all the, the media sources that are literally drying up around us and all of the uh, people who are being circumvented, taken off the air, in spite of popularity, um, you know, our public safety infrastructure is at risk. If automakers remove AM radio from vehicles, 
think about it. Where, when you're driving, do you find out weather conditions? Do you find out traffic conditions? You find it there. And, and, and we got to urge auto manufacturers to keep this service part of their vehicles so that Americans can be alerted to impending danger. Not to mention, I can still have a job, all right? There's more than 80 million people who listen each month to AM radio. It's very important to agricultural communities, gives them weather updates and crop reports and all that jazz. It also serves communities of color and underrepresented groups with religious and in-language programming. You hear it all the time down here in South Florida, Spanish programming, Haitian programming. So, and, and in spite of all that, certain automakers have removed the AM radio as a feature on electric vehicles and signal they may remove it from new models of even internal combustion engine vehicles in the future. So you need to cry out. That's all. You need to do it. And there's a couple of different ways that you can do it, but go to the National Association of Broadcasters website. It's nab.org and uh, fight for my job, would you please? You know, fight for AM. It's worth the, it's worth the battle. And maybe we'll think of putting a, a link on, on at the website so that you can do that. Um, you know, I, I don't like saying I told you so ever, but I do it because sometimes I told you so, right? And when people like me say, you don't want an open border and you don't want an immigration system that's so porous that people can be deported from this country and keep coming back once, twice, three, four, five times. Now we have a story which is so grotesque. Uh, th there's a suspect on the run in Texas. He killed five neighbors execution style on Friday night. Why? Because they complained about him firing a rifle on his property. Now, I don't believe that people should be wandering around firing guns, and I'm a big Second Amendment freak, but you would never hear about me, you know, standing in a yard or, or standing in, a, in, in a, you know, a wooded area anywhere firing my gun indiscriminately. So now the neighbor comes up and says, hey, could you please stop, you know, shooting off your gun in the front yard because... Uh, it's disturbing the baby that's trying to get to sleep. And so Francisco Oropesa, 38, a Mexican national who has been deported from the country five times, got all ticked off, grabbed a long gun, walked into the house of the neighbor, who, by the way, were Honduran nationals. Who knows what their uh, immigration status was, but Oroposa was in the country illegally at the time of the shooting and had previously re-entered the country illegally multiple times following deportations. He was last encountered by ICE in 2016. Now, DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas told Chuck Todd on Meet the Press on Sunday that he wouldn't comment on Oropesa's immigration status after Todd said there was a question about him having a consulate card, meaning he was here legally, but perhaps he had overstayed. And Mayorkas said, I won't comment on it because it's an active case. The tragedy that occurred is just absolutely hor horrific. Well, guess what? It's your fault. The FBI released four photos of Oropesa's face, including one of a large tattoo of a woman wearing a headdress on one of his arms. He should be fairly simple to track down, don't you think? 
He could be anywhere now, said the San Jacinto County Sheriff Greg Capers, adding that investigators had widened their perimeter from about five or six miles to as much as 10 or 20, depending on whether or not he crossed the Highline wire. Authorities found an abandoned cell phone, articles of clothing lying around, and tracking dogs from the Texas Department of Correction picked up a scent and then lost that scent in the water. The victims have been identified as Sonia Argentina Guzman, age 25, Danielle Enrique Lasso Guzman, age 8. I just want that to sink in. Diana Velasquez Alvarado, 21, Julisi Molina Rivera, 31, and Jose Jonathan Cesares, 18. Wilson Garcia, who lost his wife and son in the shooting, told the station they were preparing to call the police after they asked Orapesa to stop shooting his AR-15 because it was late and their one-month-old baby couldn't sleep. But Orapesa entered their home and started shooting before they could call the police. I never thought he would shoot, Garcia said, adding that Orapesa tried to shoot him but missed. Then he went room to room looking for people. Two women were also found lying on top of three children who survived in an apparent attempt to shield them from the bullets. Garcia said he'd never had a problem with this guy previously in the three years that his family had lived there. I can't believe what he did. I'm sorry, I can believe it. I didn't need this story to know that what goes on in Mexico right now, so for a Mexican national, is grotesque and horrible. People just shooting each other, uh, cartels running wild over legal, you know, uh, law enforcement officials and government officials. So if you want more of that in this country, just keep doing what you're doing, letting people not only steal across the border once, but twice, three times, four times, five times. And eventually, you'll get this. I'm sorry. You know, the days of you convincing me that everybody who crosses the border is just looking for a job picking oranges are over. Would that it were, but it ain't. Anyway, don't forget that you should download our app. If you don't like downloading apps, I had a person call me or, or text me and say, I don't do those app things. I feel like I'm being tracked. Uh, how else can I participate in the contest? Very easy. Just go to the website, 850wftl.com, and you can register to win these cool prizes. We always have something that we're giving away. And uh, right now we're giving a, a DoorDash gift certificate. You can get some cool food delivered right to your door with a $50 DoorDash certificate. So go to the website, 850WFTL, or if you like me and you have the app on your phone, you can do it right there. Stay with me. I'll be right back. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. So, uh, so much going on. So much. You know, and, and this this whole Hunter Biden thing, you know, it really gives my, my, my heart a, a kick. Because when I think of everything that President Trump was put through, and mostly over fabricated nonsense, 
And then to know that there's so much evidence against Hunter Biden's bad behavior, you know, even photographs that he himself took on that hard drive of him doing illegal things, you know, just disgusting. Uh, his behavior has been disgusting from beginning until end when you think about it, right? So the failure of a last-ditch effort by lawyers for Hunter Biden to request a continuance or a delay from the Arkansas judge who's hearing the child support case means that at least for now, the first son has a 9 a.m. court date at a Batesville courtroom. The question is, will he show up? Because, you know, the Bidens have a whole separate set of... Uh, of rules, you know, not the same as the Trump rules, not the same as uh, the rules for you and me. And it's amazing how the media absolutely ignores the story, ignores the double standard. It's like they don't care. What is the purpose of a media that, you know, of any kind of, whether it's print media, whether it's television, whether it's radio, what is the purpose of a media that seems completely uninterested in the malfeasance or the inappropriate behavior of one side of the aisle, but overly zealous when it comes to the other side. Who needs them? You know, I don't. You know, if I can't trust them, where do I go? And it's funny because people are finding alternative news sources. I've been doing that for years. And I'm grateful that I had them in place so that when, you know, something like Tucker Carlson gets taken off the air, that's okay, you know. I, I've never depended on any uh, single news source. I have never depended on Fox for my news. I told you guys a long time ago that Fox was just another network and maybe, you know, it was a little bit better than the rest, but it's uh, certainly nothing to write home about, or at least not for me, you know. I, I saw too many, too many, too many problems with with it. I just did. Um, you know, there's a story out right now, which I think is pretty interesting, but I'll get to it in the next uh, in the next segment because I don't want to start it and then have to uh, to finish it. But all I keep thinking is, you know, if if D Eric Trump or Donald Jr. had some stripper in, you know, Arkansas, who claimed that they were the father of their child, and then DNA testing proved that they were, in fact, the father of that child. Does anybody believe for a second? First and foremost, I don't believe that either one of those boys would deny it. You know, I don't think they would do that to a child, but that's just my opinion. I don't believe they'd smoke crack and take pictures of it either, okay? I don't believe they'd, uh, you know, do uh, illegal deals in China and Ukraine and wherever else they could, uh, you know, garner some money selling the influence. I just don't believe that. All right. But uh, that's what Hunter Biden does and did. And nobody seems to care. He did not contest the DNA test that says he is the father of London Roberts' daughter, Navy. And, and now, you know, he doesn't want to pay this child support that the courts have awarded the child, the mother and the child. Mr. Biden's attorneys have argued that the appearance of the president's son in the town with a population of just more than 11,000 people would create a logistical nightmare and would be inundated by the press. The judge was having none of it. Think about this. 
you know, they didn't worry about that when they dragged Donald Trump into a, <laughs> into a court in New York City and literally shut down parts of the city. You can't even make this stuff up. So they thought that dragging a former president into a, a station for arrest and then in front of a judge was no big deal. But asking this piece of garbage Hunter Biden to pay child support and then having him file all kinds of, you know, motions to delay and motions to not show up, that that made sense. <laughs> it just, it's so stupid. And when I ha hear, you know, friends and family members who still buy this crap, I just don't know what's wrong with them. There must be something in the water, you know. But since when do we think that Hunter Biden should be guaranteed all kinds of special arrangements, but not Donald Trump or not anybody affiliated with Donald Trump? Now, look, thank goodness uh, this uh, London Roberts, or whatever her name is, um, who is pushing this and wants the child to have his name, let it be a Biden, you know, apparently quite a lot of money attached to the name Biden. Her lawyer, Clinton Lancaster, said that the court, and, and now, of course, you know, Hunter Biden's saying, oh, no, I, I can't afford it. I have had, you know, I'm not making as much money as I used to. Well, that's because he's under investigation, probably. But the court must consider whether the defendant has unclean hands or is otherwise perpetuate, perpetrating, rather, a fraud upon the court regarding his income. Voluntarily reducing income or hiding assets is not a basis for a reduction in support. So this piece of garbage is trying to convince the court that he should not have to pay the previously agreed upon uh, child support, which was based on his very lucrative uh, income at the time. You know, here's a guy who's a Yale-educated attorney and now an artist who's selling, you know, crappy paintings for exorbitant fees, and he's telling the court that he's somewhat financially destitute. Put that guy in jail. How about that? If he can't afford to pay... Ms. Roberts' uh, child support for his daughter, then throw him in jail like you would do to anybody else. Or, you know, withhold his tax uh, refunds or whatever. You know, he's living in L.A., hiding out in the White House. He was reportedly last spotted arriving at the $50 million vineyard estate in Santa Barbara wine country that's owned by Joe Chiani who's a medical device entrepreneur, who's also a, a major financial backer of his daddy. Mr. Lancaster also notes that when it comes to transportation, Hunter Biden is a regular aboard the safest and most comfortable airplane in existence, Air Force One. So now if Judge Meyer opts to reward Hunter Biden's recalcitrance with jail time, she will likely cite the natural state's code, which ordains every court of record shall have power to punish, as for criminal contempt, persons guilty of willful disobedience of any process or order lawfully issued or made by a sitting judge. The, a court, the law explains, shall always have power to imprison in such circumstances. Arkansas's Office of Child Support Enforcement notes that it has strong administrative methods to establish and enforce support orders. 
and if this isn't tinged with irony, the Federal Deadbeat Parents Punishment Act, which makes it a crime for a person to willfully fail to pay child support for a child who lives in another state, was signed into law by the one-time governor of Arkansas, William Jefferson Clinton. And at the law's signing ceremony in 1998, Mr. Clinton noted, when fathers neglect support of their children, it aggravates all the other problems of family vices. Mm-hmm. Just sometimes I take too much glee in the misfortune, misfortune of others. Anyway, stick around. I got a break. I got to take this break, but I will be right back. So how many more times are we going to listen to the uh, Treasury Secretary and uh, the President and, uh, and the word salad Vice President? Oh, my God. Every time I see a video of her, just it's like she feels like if she just says more words that it will make sense. And really what ends up happening is the more words she say, the less sense she makes. It's crazy. Ne- I don't know what that disorder is. It's like something unidentifiable to me. I mean, at least when I watch Elon Musk, I can relate to, you know, if you're on the spectrum, as he is, and as I, you know, suspect I am, you you have this, like, ability to think multiple thoughts at the same time, and sometimes there'll be this kind of pause. I've learned to control it because dead air is, uh, you know, no good on the radio, but you'll pause to sort of gather information into one portion of your brain, the part of your brain that's actually going to express it verbally or maybe even in writing. And, and, and so I recognize that in Elon Musk. I recognize that in other people. But the idea that w- the way that uh, our Vice President Kamala Harris talks is not something manifestly neurological is silly. It has to be. It just has to be. Anyway, so they keep telling me that everything's okay with the banking system and I shouldn't worry. You know, they don't want to run on banks, so we can't talk about it. Meanwhile, regulators seized the First Republic Bank and struck a deal to sell the bulk of its operations to J.P. Morgan Chase, which means that it won't collapse. And, uh, you know, because if it collapsed, we'd have another banking crisis, right? And since we've been told there's no such thing happening and don't pay attention, you know, keep your eyes on the shiny thing, which is the, uh, you know, the the Treasury Secretary telling us that uh, abortion is fundamental for a thriving economy. Keep your eyes on that instead of uh, on what's really happening. So J.P. Morgan is going to take all of the $92 billion in deposits that First Republic has, some insured and some uninsured, right? It's also buying most of the bank's assets, including about $173 billion worth of loans and $30 billion in securities. And as part of the agreement, the FDIC will share losses with J.P. Morgan on First Republic's loans, The agency estimated that its insurance fund would take a hit of $13 billion in the deal. Uh, J.P. Morgan also said it would receive $50 billion in financing from the FDIC. Here we go again. This is California, okay, just as Silicon Valley Bank was. These California banks are failing, period. I don't care how else you want to, you know, uh, dress it up. But three of the four largest ever U.S. bank failures have occurred in the past two months. 
And, you know, the last time I remember a bank failing was in 2008 when it was Washington Mutual, right? So now we have Silicon Valley Bank and we had the Signature Bank, which was in New York. And now another California bank, First Republic, which means that JP Morgan, which is the largest bank in the country, is going to emerge from the current crisis even bigger. Let's just keep consolidating and then just pray and hope and maybe you'll be all right. The lender has said it got about $50 billion in new deposits from panicky customers looking to move their money to a too-big-to-fail bank following the failures. So J.P. Morgan had $2.4 trillion in deposits at the end of the first quarter. Can I repeat that number for you? $2.4 trillion. So basically, they can do whatever they want. The mega bank said that it, w- it wants to stabilize the financial system. It's doing it for our good. <laughs> this part of the crisis is over, said Jamie Dimon. Everyone should just take a deep breath. Say what? You know, First Republic and Washington Mutual back in 2008 are now substantially owned by J.P. Morgan. You, you just, do we really believe that these things are not orchestrated and that they are not orchestrated with your well-being in mind. They're orchestrated with the bank's well-being in mind, and the government is colluding with some of these banks, in my opinion. So when when I sit back, like I did this weekend, and I think I've still got energy, you know, even if it is whack-a-mole, I still got energy left, and I'm just gonna keep whacking away. I don't know where to start or where to end. Is it big pharma I should be talking about? Is it the financial services I should be talking about? Is it malfeasance on the part of elected representatives I should be talking about? Is it an upcoming presidential election and whether there's election security or election, uh, you know, do I believe in the electoral process anymore? And I haven't even started in on media, have I? So it's a good thing that I felt energized. That's all I'm going to say. Thank you, Pat Benatar, for giving me some energy because I can't drink any more coffee and I don't use any artificial stimulants. So it's, uh, you know, there's going to be plenty to talk about, certainly for the next two years. And that's amazing. You know, every time I think, well, it just can't get any more interesting than it already is, a bank will collapse. You know, or AI with the, all these smartphones will just freak me out. I got an email the other day from, I don't even remember which part of my life it came from. Might have been my email, might have been uh, something else, one of my writing programs, might have been from a publisher that I've written for. Um, and And it said, here, why don't you use this chat bot or AI application to write in the future? So in other words, it's telling me, you don't really need to think much anymore. You know, just type in, uh, you know, election integrity, and we'll write the article for you. You know, just tell us your perspective. Do you lean left or do you lean right? It's amazing. It really is, but it's scary as heck. You know, uh, I, I had a conversation with a banking friend of mine a couple of weeks ago, 
And I said, like, how's your bank? You know, you feel insecure? And, you know, now, of course, they are trained to say, oh, yes, everything is fine. <laughs> and uh, and, and uh, they, they didn't look concerned, which is a good sign, because I can usually read their expression. I'm using the uh, they, them pronouns because I don't want to implicate anybody. <laughs> and most of my friends know who my other friends are. So, uh, you know, they said, no, everything's okay, and they look like they meant it, which was nice because I don't want to think that they're, uh, you know, nervous about it since I have uh, money in, in that particular bank. But I, I just, I, I've come to believe that we're all so scared right now that we would be willing to deceive our, our family members if it meant that uh, you know we were preserving our good name or our jobs. Then you see this private calendar of Epstein's coming to light, right? This convicted sex offender has all these names that, well, we knew about some of them, right? And now we're finding out, well, there were some others and, uh, you know, maybe we ought to take this a little more seriously, including the people who are in the White House right now. Just saying, you know, I'm one of these people who say, uh, let sleeping dogs lie, but this dog ain't sleeping and I ain't going to let it lie. That much I can tell you. Epstein either offed himself or got offed in jail but the people that he was fooling around with and that were fooling around with underage minors, many of them are in very uh, up there positions of power in this country. And they ought to be investigated. That's all. You know, because I'm sure he was holding them hostage. That's all. You know, Charlie Munger, who, by the way, was my son's boss, I always have to uh, disclose that when I talk about him. First and foremost, he's 99 years old, okay? The man is 99 years old. He's uh, Warren Buffett's sidekick. And he's still making, he still goes into the office every day. When Derek was at Munger, Tolls and Olson, he would tell me, yeah, I walk into Charlie's office and, you know, he's still sitting at the desk. He's still crunching numbers. He's still, you know, talking to anybody who'll listen to him. Now, he goes on the record warning that there is a brewing storm in the U.S. commercial property market with American banks full of what he said were bad loans as property prices fall. Okay. Who said that first? Or at least, where did I hear that first? Oh, that's right. It was Elon Musk on the one of the last shows that Tucker Carlson was allowed to do. You see, if you're 99 years old and Warren Buffett's your best friend, you can say whatever you want and people can kind of write you off. It's not nearly as bad as it was in 2008, he told the Financial Times in an interview, but trouble happens in banking just like trouble happens everywhere else. In the good times, you get into bad habits. When bad times come, you lose a lot of money. He was speaking on the veranda of his home in Greater Wilshire, a leafy neighborhood of Los Angeles where he has lived for 60 years. He actually designed that property himself. And, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's sitting in a wheelchair now and he's wearing plaid shirts instead of, uh, you know, uh, three-piece suits. But he's as sharp as he ever was. And I'll tell you, it's not good news. U.S. banks are full of commercial property loans, including the Republic Bank 
First Republic that just got bought out by J.P. Morgan Chase because it was about to crunch, okay? So that's what Elon Musk said. You got empty stores and empty offices in, in the major cities from New York to the West Coast, and everybody's acting like, eh, you know, the most important thing is diversity. We should have more people of color in every uh, uh, whatever, in banking, in media, in real estate. And that's, we should have more people who can think their way out of a, you know, out of a mess like we're in. I don't care what color they are. My thought of the day today is I don't care who you sleep with, what the color of your skin is, I don't care. But since you wanna make it such a big deal, then I will talk about it. And I will tell you what I think. And if you don't like it, oh well, you know. Uh, besame el culo, that's all. Kiss my tojas, you know, just for those of you who don't speak Spanish. Um, because I, I can't help you. You know, you're stuck on stupid. Anyway, don't forget, coming up at one o'clock is the one and only Dan Bongino. At four o'clock is Ben Shapiro. At six o'clock, the WPTV News, Joe Peggs, uh, Lars Larson. We've got a, such a stellar cast um, all day and night that you really should just leave your AM radio where it is. And if you don't want to lose your AM radio, go to the nab.org website and fight to keep AM radios in cars, would you please? At least until I retire. Um, and that's 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 just like a, you know, a shameless request, okay? All right, I got one break now and then I'll come back and finish today's show. Stay right where you are. Oh my goodness. Some days, you know, I just can't figure out, you know, people. I certainly can't figure out politicians. I mean, they just have me confused. Because what makes them think that we are so ridiculously naive that we continue to believe the unbelievable? You know, in my uh, No Restraint podcast, I do talk a little bit about um, COVID-19. I haven't talked about it in a while, so I felt compelled to share some stuff that I've been reading over the weekend with you, and I did. And I also talked about a story that I've been teasing forever, you know, along with, uh, you know, Malcolm X, which I'll never get that story out here. I, I, I've been, I'm writing a book, basically, about that, and I just can't get it into a 30-minute <laughs> podcast or a 15-minute segment on the radio, so I've decided I'm going to write a book about it, that's all, and maybe I will finish it and maybe I won't. I don't, you know, I, I don't put limitations or expectations on myself anymore because I'm pretty busy most of the time, but it's just too big for the podcast. But one of the things I've been teasing is about these, you know, these people, um, these young people who are called SALTs, and what they do is they're very well educated, they go to these Ivy League institutions, they come from families with money, and they go into uh, situations to unionize employees. And in particular, the article that I had read in the free press was about the SALTs who went into Amazon's warehouse, or whatever they call it, facility in Staten Island, and actually pulled off unionizing it. And what, makes what you know what drives these people and why they are successful and there've always been 
people like this. There's always been salts. And sometimes I I tend to think that the Kennedy family are the salts of politics. And probably why I'm really interested in RFK Jr.'s candidacy, not to mention that, you know, having met him and and knowing just how brilliant he is, um, you know, I have these delusions, but now people are, you know, texting me and emailing me and writing me these uh, actual letters that came in the mail telling me that they loved my saying that, you know, perhaps a ticket to to win permanent elections are, since we seem to have a uniparty, everybody just uh, holding on to power, would be two rebels like Trump and, and RFK together. You know, I tend to believe they get a lot done, you know, uh, ju- just, you know, because they're, they're doers. They're not, ju- and they don't care what anybody thinks about them. RFK has been lambasted and, and pulled apart. And, you know, the, Joe Biden's not going to have any debates. And, you know, Donald Trump's gonna, not going to participate in debates, which, as Dan Bongino pointed out on his show Friday, would be ridiculous because Donald wins debates, you know. So, and boy, would it be easy to win a debate now about what he's going to do when he gets into the White House because all he has to do is talk about what he did when he was in the White House, you know? So it's crazy. But, uh, Anyway, I just think that'd be an interesting ticket. And I believe that we need more people who are willing to upset the apple cart. I've had enough. I really have had enough of, of, of these standard politicians, these ones who go from office to office to office. And I'm supposed to believe that, you know, they're uh, so, um, what's the right word? They're so full of uh, patriotism, that that's why they're doing it. No, man, some of them are just full of crap as we have grown to understand recently. Um, There's a story out today. Now, I'm not putting my name on this one, but it was interesting. And I'll I'll share it with you because it piqued my attention. You know, they still, it's a year later, and they still don't know who leaked the Dobbs uh, decision or the paperwork of the Dobbs decision that overturned Roe v. Wade. And there's an interesting article now where because Chief Justice Roberts said that uh, you know he want, he thinks he knows who did it, and then uh, handed it over to a person who's not into criminal law investigation. You know, giving it to the courts martial is like giving it to I don't know um, uh, Kim Kardashian. You know, they might have a little law experience, but that's about it. But Justice Alito said that he has a pretty good idea of where it got leaked, how it got leaked. And he offered his view on the identity of the leaker and the effect of the leak. And it's in a really nice piece by James Taranto at the uh, Wall Street Journal, but it's behind a paywall, so I don't know if you get to see it or not. But he speculates that the leaker intended the effect that the leak produced. And it seems pretty logical to me, right? It's hard to believe that the leaker thought the effect would be anything different. The purpose was to intimidate the conservative justices into changing their minds. And perhaps in a case of psychological projection, the leaker underestimated the courage and the resolve of the conservative justices. 
He also dismissed the theory that the leak was actually by a conservative justice that was worried that some of the other conservatives were wavering. That didn't make sense to him. But he did say that, uh, I personally have a pretty good idea who is responsible, but that's different from the level of proof that is needed to name somebody. Hmm. Which means Breyer, Kagan, and Sotomayor and their law clerks are who he thinks did it. I rule out the law clerks for several reasons, but uh, I don't rule out Sonia Sotomayor. Just saying, she said in her 2009 confirmation hearing she was a wise Latina. Anyway, I thank you for your time this time. Until next time, my intention is to be back here on Tuesday tomorrow, if it be his will and he delays his coming, what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. May God bless you and may God bless the United States of America. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.